Well, church, I invite you to turn your Bibles this morning in your homes to John chapter 8, and we're going to be in verse 12 this morning. I'm starting a new series called uh, The Red Letters, and it's all of these I am statements that Jesus uh, gave uh, uh, during his time of ministry. And so between now and Easter, that's exactly what we're going to be doing. We're going to be looking at a number of those I am statements um, the red letters, if you have one of those Bibles where uh, the words of Christ are written in red letters, uh, that's really what we're talking about, these specific words of Christ. You know, today, uh, I want us to uh, look at that uh, specific um, saying of Jesus, that, uh, that I am statement where he says, I am the light of the world. He gives himself a name, and names are really important to all of us. Uh, um, I was given a name when I was, uh, when I was born. Um, I can't uh, uh, say that uh, when I go to order at specific restaurants that I really like my name because a lot of people get it wrong or spell it wrong. And some of those are quite humorous, but, but my name is my name. It has a meaning to it. And uh, my middle name is John. My uh, uh, dad's middle name was John. My grandfather's uh, first name was John. So even my middle name has some significance to it. You know, some people just think that names are a label or a, a, a title, um, and they don't really hold a lot of, uh, of bearing. And yet, uh, I, would, uh, I would suggest that names have a lot of significance. And this is what Jesus was getting at in, in uh, this... this uh, um, statement that he made in John chapter 8. So take a look at John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more. And he's in the, the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, it's Herod's temple. And during Jesus' time, it was still under construction. We're told that it wasn't completed until 60 AD. So a number of years after Jesus, uh, his death and his, his burial and his resurrection. So he, while he was speaking, he's in Herod's temple. And he says this, he says, I am the light of the world. John chapter eight, verse 12. He says, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. If you jump down to verse 20, John adds this um, reference point for us. And he says this in verse 20, Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in a section of the temple known as the treasury. And you kind of wonder, well, why did he say that? Why did, why did John make this, this note uh, that Jesus was in the temple treasury when he made this, this comment? Well, well, from what we know of Herod's temple, the, the temple treasury was in the, these outer courts, which was the court of women. And if you pull up a, a picture of the, the court, you'll see that, that this was an outer court of, of Herod's temple. But in this court, there were these four tall um, I guess you could say um, uh, cauldrons, uh, lamps. They were actually on poles. We're told that there were these four poles that were 86 feet high. And to put that in perspective, they're almost as tall as a nine-story building. And there were these four poles with, uh, with cauldrons on the top of these poles. And in each one, these were, these were fires. These were lamps. They were almost like, if you think of the Olympics, they were almost like an Olympic flame, but there were four of them on top of these almost 90 foot tall towers, and there were these flames, and this was where the, 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 this was the outer court, this is where Jesus was talking. 
And so you just picture Jesus walking into these courts filled with people, and he makes this statement, I am the light of the world. It's also important to notice that this was a time, it says that when Jesus spoke, it was the last night of the feast. And in fact, on the last night of the feast, if we do a little research, we find that this was where they would almost do like a torch parade into the temple and then light these cauldrons. They would light these lamps. So there was a, it was a big festivity and the, these, lights, these lamps would be lit. And also on top of that, it's amazing to think that, that the temple was the highest point in Jerusalem. So these lamps were massive. They were, they were on fire and they, they cast light all over and, and, and not just over the, the, the temple, but over the whole city of Jerusalem. And Jesus makes this comment, I am the light of the world. It's important to notice too that he didn't just say, I'm the light of Jerusalem. He said, I am the light of the world. Nowadays, you don't have to go far to understand darkness. Um, when we think of darkness, uh, certainly it pertains to sin, especially in Scripture, but at the same time, it's much more than just sin. It's much more than just a lack of godliness. You see, darkness is not just sin in the breaking of God's commands. Darkness is defined as this place where light is dim. And the, the light and life of Christ doesn't have an effect. You think of our society today. It's truly a result of, of darkness that we live in a, a world that doesn't have vision, that doesn't have clarity, that is often cast into confusion. There's fear, there's terror, there's worry, there's anxiety. You think of walking into a dark room and you can't quite see where things are and, and there's, there's an unknown. There's a, a covering of obscurity. You, you can't see detail. It's a place of impaired senses. And, and this is truly what darkness is. You see, there's a lot of fear and worry and anxiety that we are navigating in our world today especially during a time like this where there's a virus scare and there's just a whole lot of unknowns, questions with not a lot of good answers. It's because we're so limited. And specifically, our perspectives are limited. We see very little of the big picture. It's like the Israelites in the desert when they needed a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And in, in fact, a lot of theologians, when Jesus made this statement in the temple, uh, immediately, they would say, immediately the Israelites and the, the, the Jews who were worshiping there would, would have gone back to uh, that, that time when, when Jesus, uh, or sorry, when, when God was leading his people Israel out of Egypt and they had that pillar of fire. And in fact, that's what those, those columns with those lamps on top of them were to signify this, this light that would lead God's people. And to a world stumbling around in darkness and sin, Christ offers himself as a constant guide. And as Christ followers, we're, we're called to reflect that light. We need to turn to Matthew chapter 5 just for a moment. And there in, in Matthew 5, as Jesus started his ministry, uh, 
There's this earlier discourse that Jesus, taught, uh, he, he preached to his followers, and he said this in Matthew 5, 14. He, he told them, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And again, guaranteed, they have this image, they have this picture of the temple and these lamps at the temple. He said, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. He's saying, you're a light. Just like the light in the temple, we want you to shine your light into this world. I think it was last week, I want to say it was Wednesday, if my memory serves me correct, I was, I was out in the front yard after it had turned dark, and, and there was a full moon out. It was amazing. It was one of those full moons where it actually cast shadows in the yard. You could see the shadows of the trees in the yard, and, and it was amazing. And I want, you've seen that before, guaranteed. I want you to picture that just for a second. Stepping out on a dark night with a full moon. It's bright. God has given us an amazing real-life picture of his, in his creation of our relationship to the sun in terms of light. You think, in reality, we have two sources of light here on earth. We have the sun and we have the moon. The sun actually emits light, and, and hopefully it's not a surprise to you, but, but, and hopefully you know that the moon doesn't actually shine. It doesn't emit light. Um, and if it's news to you, um, I'm sorry, but uh, you know, it's kind of like Santa Claus, uh, you, know, you found out late in life. But anyways, what does the moon do? The moon reflects the light of the sun. The moon reflects the sun. I want you to also think of going out in the night, and some nights we have a full moon. Other nights, we have what's called a new moon. There's, the, the moon is, is there, but it's not reflecting the light. Um, there are other times where the moon's up in the sky and we'll see just a sliver one way or another. There are times where even we will experience an eclipse, uh, a lunar eclipse, and there's these varying degrees of the, the amount of, of moon that we see in the light that is reflected of that. Some days it's a full moon, some days it's not. And I want to ask you this question, what makes the difference in how much light the moon reflects? I want you to think of this, it's how much of the world is in the way. How much of the world is in the way? Looking at the moon should cause us to think about the sun. That's where the light is coming from. It should cause us to think about the sun. And our lives in Christ should cause those who see us to think about God who is in us through Christ Jesus, through his Holy Spirit. It's not us emitting that light. It's the light of Christ within us. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then he turns to his followers and he says, you are the light of the world as well. So I want to ask you, what's keeping you from reflecting his goodness and his grace in the presence. What things of the world are getting in the way? You know, Jesus said he's the light of the world. And you and I are a reflection of that light. I want you to turn over to John chapter 1. 
Just before Jesus came into public ministry, we're told in John chapter 1, verse 6, that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light. He said, I'm here to tell you about this light that's coming so that through him all might believe he himself, so they're talking about John, he himself wasn't the light. He came only as a witness to the light. He he goes on to say the true light was coming into the world. And John goes on to say to all who would receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, Jesus was coming. The light of the world was coming into the world. John goes on in the third chapter to say, for God so loved this world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He says that God didn't, come, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We know those verses, they're they're very familiar. I want to take you a few verses deeper into John chapter 3. Jump down to verse 19. John says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that they have done, uh, sorry, what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You see, when darkness overwhelms us, when normal gets turned upside down, when all hell breaks loose and panic grips us and our community and even the world. The light of Jesus Christ is our reference. It has to be our reference. It has to bring clarity within the darkness. Over in Hebrews 12, there's some verses there starting at verse one that I believe are indicators and instructions for us of how we respond in situations like this. Here the writer of the Hebrews says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I'd even go to the point of saying those things that are are obscuring the light of Christ from affecting our lives that we might reflect it. Those things the writer is saying, let's get rid of those and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us And get verse two here, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He goes on to say, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I love how the New Living Translation puts verse three says, think of all the hostility that Christ endured. Then you won't become weary and give up. You know, today, these days, this week, all that's gone on the past week are certainly, they create a situation where we could lend, it, lend ourselves and, and, and surrender ourselves to panic and worry and fear. That's not where Christ wants us to be. 
I invite you to invite the light of Christ to fully shine on you, on your heart, that you would reflect that back within our community. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I want to invite you to surrender your life to him, to fix your eyes on him, and to live like it. I believe now, more than ever, the world needs a bright light, the light of Jesus Christ. Your neighbors need the light of Christ. This community, Decatur, Texas, needs the light of Christ. Our state, our country needs the light of Christ. Will you reflect that light? Jesus said he's the light. He's also spoken directly to us and said, you are the light of the world, that which is reflected from me. The bright light which brings hope and healing and eternal life. I'm inviting you to bow your heads, close your eyes, right where you're at in your living room or, or uh, wherever you might be. And I, I want to pray and just a prayer of commitment that Lord, you would lead us to you more and more. Lord, it's easy, we confess, to get off on our own tangent. It's, it's easy for us to get focused on the things that we feel we can manage or manipulate. Lord, it's easy for things to obscure and eclipse your light that is meant to shine into our hearts. And Lord, I pray we would identify those things and we'd, we'd nudge those things out of the way. We'd choose to remove those things from our lives. Draw close to you in times of concern and, and trouble and worry and anxiety, Lord, I pray that we would be people of peace and comfort and confidence and assurance, knowing that you, Lord Jesus Christ, have paid the price for us. You call us your own. Lord, we sang that song earlier. We are, we are children, your children. And Lord, we've been chosen by you. So Lord, this week, I pray that our lights would shine brightly in our neighborhoods and in our community. May the light of Jesus Christ be made known right here. We love you, Lord. I pray a blessing on your church as we gather in our homes today. I pray that, Lord Jesus, your favor and blessing, your peace would rule and reign on each one. In the name of Jesus Christ, and everyone said, amen.